Hi, I'm Dan from Desert Island Dicks. This episode features comedian Ahir Shah, and uh, from his job title, you'll be able to guess correctly that he's a funny man. So uh, I hope you will enjoy this episode, but I'm pretty sure you will. Just to remind you, we've got two live shows coming up in December. On the 1st of December, we've got Fern Brady, which is going to be great. On the 2nd of December, we've got Stephen K. Amos, which is also going to be great. You can find out more and get tickets from the link in the description of this podcast. And you can also find the link on our socials on Instagram and Twitter at DixPod. So go ahead and get them. It's going to be Christmas soon, so why not? go to a live podcast recording those things have always gone hand in hand as soon as it's christmas you know my mother used to bundle us up take us out in the cold air and we'd go off to a podcast recording and get festive that bit's not true but why not make it a new festive tradition it's going to be really good and it would be lovely to see you there in person Thank you for listening to this. Uh, If you're not already a subscriber, then please do subscribe. And you know what would be really nice? What would be really nice is if you could leave us a rating and a review. Only if it's a nice one, though, uh, because it helps us get up the charts and then we get noticed more and then we can get bigger guests. And it's just a whole lovely cycle of, I don't know, it's just a good cycle. It helps us. So please like and subscribe and give us a rating and a review. All these things help. If you've already done all those things... Hey, why not tell a friend all about us? That would be very lovely. So thank you for that. As a reward, I'll stop talking. And here's Desert Island Dicks with Ahir Shah. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian Ahir Shah. How are you? Hello, hello Dan. I'm very well, thank you. How's it going? Yeah, not bad. Thank you for joining us today. Pleasure. Are you feeling kind of ready to sort of tear into some dicks? I mean, is it an easy process (laughs) for you or...? (laughs) Well, I, I find myself, even the the idea of being on a plane, full stop, let alone one that crashes, seems so remote to me. Uh, and the, the closest thing to being on a desert island I've had in a very long time is having gone to the Isle of Wight in July. So this is, a, <laughs> okay. this is a, a, if anything, a nice exercise in escapism. Yeah, yeah, good. And and do you find normally like you're the sort of person that finds it easy to come up with your choices for this sort of thing, or is it is it hard whittling them down, or have you just straight away just gone bam, bam, bam? I know what I hate. No, I I, I think it is difficult because even with things that you dislike, if it's your only option, you're gonna end up finding something to enjoy about the situation. You know, so for example, like when we're talking about uh, having people uh, on the island and what have you. And instinctively, my brain immediately went, well, Farage or whatever. Uh, and it's like, well, it, probably we'd end up through necessity having to bond. Uh, yeah. And uh, then I would realise that, oh, actually, like I've got a... And if I went strong enough of will, uh, I, I might end up convincing myself that actually he has a point about me and my family. <laughs> so I, I, I was too worried about that. Yeah, it is a risky business. And I think... You know, you don't want to pick someone that 
you would hate forever and have nothing in common with because that would be awful but then if you sort of found yourself getting along with a character like Farage it's every day you're like maybe now I should say something oh fuck it <laughs> tomorrow I can't be bothered yeah. and yeah. then one day there'd be like one like he took the last coconut or something and it would all you just kill each other that would be yeah like, and also like I mean He's he's a heavy smoker, and I'm assuming that there won't be any cigarettes on the island, so he's going to be very prickly. Yeah, uh, even more than uh, more than usual. Uh, so that's something that one must uh, be conscious of. There, there, there were a lot more, uh, you know, second order effects in this than I was expecting. Yeah. Plus, I just thought he's already had a plane crash, hasn't he? Famously, so I mean, yes. he'd be, the first bit he'd be banging on, being like, "Oh well, the last time this happened, you want to <laughs> shut up, Nigel? It's not the same." <laughs> <laughs> okay, well let's uh, let's get cracking in. And um, who's going to be your first choice for the island? Uh, my my first choice is uh, Ethan Rom. Ethan Rom. Ethan Rom from series one of Lost. Okay, okay. So I mean, immediately we've got a sort of a, a similar environment that he's used to. Yeah. Talk us through your thinking here. Well, and look, there are going to be spoilers for season one of Lost for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. But given how long it's been, I mean, like, I think that we're talking there hadn't been a financial crisis at that point. You know, like (laughs) none of us had none of us had heard of coronaviruses or pandemics or witnessed the London Olympics opening ceremony. So (laughs) it's a it's another world. Uh, But Ethan Rom. Uh, is the character who they realise uh, in the first... And this is when you are like, ah, oh, Lost is great. Like, this is a this is a really strong... They realise that he wasn't in the passenger manifest and that he's actually been on the island before. So there were people on this island before and he, like, steals a baby and everything. And it's all very spooky. And I'm just thinking, the one thing that you don't want if you end up in this sort of situation, is finding yourself in the midst of there being a pre-existing sinister cabal. Yeah. I think yeah. that that would be very awkward. And also, I, mainly I just dislike Lost. Uh, that's, what, that's, what, <laughs> that's what this entire thing is about. But also, having, having followed Lost uh, for a very long time and thought about if there's one thing that I hate more than being suddenly confronted by the existence of a pre-existing child-snatching island dweller, it's an unsatisfactory conclusion to a narrative. (laughs) Uh, And I think that that's the real risk that uh, having Ethan Rome poses. Perhaps I should just have, was it J.J. Abrams who did Lost? Maybe I'll just have him. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it happens increasingly with series these days when you're kind of getting through the first series and you kind of think, oh, this is brilliant. And then it must have been around sort of, episode five they went do you want a second series if you want and then they go oh shit i better rewrite the last episode yeah, yeah, and you yeah. can tell sometimes like i watched one on netflix recently and i was like that would have been such a good one series thing but of course there has to be more and the guy yeah. has to change his mind it's like let like... things just end and we, we get that so rarely these days like for example uh fantastic film knives out right really fantastic and it's just like a very successful film that's not superhero not part of a franchise not a sequel or anything like that people just like it because it's a good film and it's there and then what do you know down the line well netflix have put x million dollars on the table and so we have to have knives out two and three and nothing can just be standalone anymore. Yeah, definitely. And you said he stole a baby as well. And mm. I just think, apart from the sort of character that does something like that, I mean, that's an awful kind of person who would do that. But also, on a desert island, like, 
babies are really tiring to look after. So if you're someone who, like, you're clearly, there's something wrong with you where in a survival situation you think, I know what I need, a baby. So it's like, you're an awful person because you can steal a baby and you just, you're unhinged because you think somehow that's a good idea. That is that is spoken with the real understanding of a man who has a nine-month-old right now. Uh, yeah. there, was a, there was a palpable weariness to... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even older kids are tiring. I mean, basically, you want to be stuck with grown-ups, you know. Like, yeah. at least if they're annoying, you can kill them or walk away. But with a kid, like, even if you hate them, you're going to have to stay with them. And if you just deliberately go out of your way to get them, then I just, yeah, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So I'd start with, yeah, start with Ethan Rom or failing that because I know that we've uh, we've we've gone immediately. I may, I may not be fulfilling the rules of the game. Uh, in choosing someone fictional. Uh, so in that case, I will choose J.J. Uh, Abrams for having done Lost. Okay. And because I would just inevitably end up grilling him about the series and nothing he said would be satisfactory to me. <laughs> well, maybe we can have a sort of an amalgam. Like there's either one of these people there each each day. So you've got another two people, but it sort of flips between these two people. Yeah. Sometimes he kind of appears as the character Ethan and sometimes he's JJ. <laughs> you know, he might manifest himself as that. You know, when people kind of go, oh, look, podcasts, they can be about anything or they don't have to be 45 minutes long. You know, people start realising. It's like, oh, huge, long, drawn-out series don't have to have a satisfactory conclusion. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think, though, you've you've really... You've found what I think the best solution to this is, which is that the person on the island that I was choosing will be William Maposa, who played Ethan Rome in Lost, but on the island, he is playing J.J. Abrams defending Lost. <laughs> okay. Okay, nice. And he's a good actor as well. He'd be able to do it very convincingly, I think. It's also getting quite meta then as well, so that's, you know... And like an extra layer of complexity while you're already sort of tired and starving and bored. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, well, this new creature joins you on the island. And uh, who's going to be your second choice? Uh, the second choice is we just are going for someone who does straight up exist and is already on an island with me. Uh, though would that that weren't the case and we are going with Dominic Cummings okay great I'm sure a lot of people can imagine why you picked him but like fill us in show us your workings I don't right on a desert island there are very few means to blog Mm. so starved of the ability to blog I would just become the person he verbally blogs at yeah and that I feel would be among the most frustrating. And he'd always have like wacky harebrained schemes for how we could get off the island and everything. But all of them, like he wouldn't have fully thought through the consequences of any of them. Uh, and they would always sort of end with vastly more problems being created than the ones that were purported to being solved in the first place. And I, yeah, I, I just think that he would he would cause a lot of problems on on that sort of setting. Yeah, definitely. I mean... In one sense, you'd rather be stuck with clever people than stupid people. And, you know, he does seem to be a clever chap, Mm. but he's only going to channel all his intelligence into just being, like, as abrasive and difficult as possible, I think. Well, this is the thing, and I think that he's... He he is an intelligent man, but he's a very specific kind of intelligent man, which is one who thinks he's considerably more intelligent than he is. And (laughs) even if you are intelligent, thinking that you're considerably more intelligent than you are is always going to create problems. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's the sort of thing that you don't need in what I imagine will already be a pretty fractious environment. Yeah. Even if he turns out to go, oh, I hit my head in the crash. I've come to my senses. I was wrong. I want to start over again. You'd never believe him ever. Even yeah. if you know, he genuinely had turned a new leaf. You'd be like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm watching you. And it would just be exhausting, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be extraordinarily exhausting. And uh, there's a chance that he might somehow get someone extraordinarily inappropriate to end up leading the island and then... Uh, once that all goes tits up, uh, act as though he always knew that that was what was going to happen, uh, but that it wasn't actually his fault uh, for having done that. And you know, I, I think that uh, I, I would find that very difficult uh, to get on with. I mean, I don't think that he particularly enjoyed being on a desert island with me either. So I think that I've, uh, <laughs> I've, I've done us, I've done us both a favour in um, preventing this from happening. Yeah, he just seems like someone who has the highest opinion of himself and that will never stop and he seems sort of like the chief mansplainer even if no one's asked him anything like that's what a blog is isn't it it's just sort of going yeah well since you asked but you haven't but i'm going to tell you anyway <laughs> yes and it's it's very easy to do that when one can retrospectively edit one's blog in order to make <laughs> it seem as though one had thought of the problem uh, all along mm. I thought it was really funny when he resigned because when he left Downing Street, he was walking along and he had like an archive box with some stuff in it and a plant sticking out. And I was like, that's just how people resign on telly. There's always a plant <laughs> in it. I was like, is this, you've just gone, I need to have a public walking out of Downing Street. This is what it looks like if you're a normal person. And I'm like, even in carrying a fucking box out of your old job, you have to sort of be calculated about it. Because like, I've seen yeah. people leave the job I've worked in, none of them had a box with a plant in it. Like, that's just what you see in a series, you dick. Yeah, but I think it's it's sort of a life-imitating art thing, you know? It's like uh, how it was reported that after the release of The Godfather, uh, mobsters in the United States started talking like that uh, <laughs> in order to mimic the way that it was in the film because they loved the film so much, and then that again got turned on its head when The Sopranos came out and those mobsters were parodying the fact that real mobsters talked about the fake mobsters and they were <laughs> like, you know. Um, so, yes, I think that that's where, that's where the resigning archive box and plant comes from. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't feel like he'd pull his weight. I think he'd blame you for lack of whatever you needed. You know, he'd find a scapegoat. For it. it wouldn't be a chance of going, look, the best chance of survival here is we all chip in get those coconuts, build a fire, we're all going to do this. They'd always be like, well, actually, you know, if you'd actually read my last post, which I scratched into the sand over there, <laughs> you'd know that this isn't an effective way of blah, 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 you know. The post blew away, Dom. <laughs> and, you know, uh, what, what I will say on the, on the scapegoating thing is a very good point as well, because obviously, you know, in order to do what he did to the island that we actually live on, uh, there were uh, very sort of quote unquote effective uh, groups in order to scapegoat uh, and demonize and what have you, which that campaign did extraordinarily and tragically successfully from my perspective anyway. And obviously on this desert island, there's just this poor actor who I forced uh, to pretend to be J.J. Abrams, the creator of Lost, <laughs> uh, and me. Uh, and then who, who's going to get, it's, it's a dangerous time, there are very few options of who to scapegoat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, when like when you're a grown up and there's glimpses of just how fucked everything are sometimes, yeah. you know, like the whole press conference in the garden of Downing Street and everyone's being like, 
you fucked it, mate. Come on. And he's going, <laughs> no, no, no. And everyone's like, so you're not going to resign or be fired? No. And everyone's going, right, and that's just going to happen then, is it? That's uh, that's just <laughs> fucking life, is it now? You know, like, you know, when yeah. you just sort of go, everything is fucked. And I've got to look my children in the eye and pretend that they can be anything they want to be. And it's all going to be fine. <laughs> okay. Well, um, who's going to be the third person joining you? Well, the third person. So, as you asked at the beginning, do I find it easy to uh, come up with these sorts of things that I hate? And uh, no, and particularly not with people, uh, because I do like to believe that uh, people would have uh, redeeming qualities and whatnot uh, and everything. And I didn't want to choose like the actual worst people <laughs> in the world, you know, because I could be like a. I I choose Bashar al-Assad uh, to be on this island, but let's be perfectly honest, there is very limited comic potential uh, with uh, choosing Bashar al-Assad uh, to be on your island. So w- w- one person that I've chosen is already someone who I very obviously don't hate. Uh, and uh, Dominic Cummings, I, I do greatly dislike. And so I was I dislike him to an extent that I was able to park my usual reservations about uh, <laughs> engaging in such topics. Um, but I think that the twist in the tail of this sort of thing is that there are there is a type of person who you wouldn't want to be on a desert island with you. And that is uh, the person you hate most in the world. Uh, but there is another type of desert uh, person that you wouldn't want to be on a desert island with you, uh, which is the person you love most in the world. Right. Okay. Uh, because that would be ruinous to their life, <laughs> yeah. uh, of course. And so for my third person, I have chosen my sister uh, <laughs> because she is a wonderful person and she has a husband and a dog and a baby on the way. And being stuck on an island with me, an actor, and Dominic Cummings would really get in the way of a lot of the things that she's got planned. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, okay. All right. So your sister on there. Yeah, because you'd always feel responsible as well. You'd kind of want to team up and against the others, but then it's putting so much pressure on the two of you. Yeah. Exactly. And like, we've also like in our lives, you know, we've had arguments in the way that siblings will have arguments and that sort of thing. But we've never had like a proper falling out. Like I'm not speaking to you. I mean, we've always been like my closest friend uh, in many ways. So uh, and you wouldn't want that. Like you want your closest friend in that sort of environment where inevitably things would go so awry and it would ruin a wonderful relationship. Yeah. Um, that'd yeah. be terrible. Yeah, because you hear like when people are doing those kind of Arctic exploration things, you know, where you traverse the South Pole or whatever, whoever you go with, you end up just hating and you'll just be walking behind someone for 16 hours just going, I'm going to kill you in your sleep tonight or whatever, you know, just because of like the pressures of the environment. And then you kind of set up camp and have some food and calm down a bit. Mm. And also you've got these awful people with you. So you get on with your sister, but there'll be times when it's like, why didn't you say that to Dominic Cummings earlier? You know that that's wrong. You know that's wrong. Like, we've talked about this. Like, you know that effect that that's had on us. Why did you say that? Yes, exactly. Having someone that you actually hate, ultimately fine, uh, because, you know, either the two of you will just properly have it out or you're like, right, we've been put into this pressure situation together. We've got to set aside our differences. And maybe, as you say, this could create the possibility for some unlikely buddy situation yeah, uh, yeah. Where, where we end up saving one another and uh, and growing as a result of it. Whereas having someone you very much love uh, 
uh, I think can only cause uh, problems. Mm. You mentioned she's pregnant. So I don't know whether she's just going to stay pregnant forever or whether you you know she's going to have her baby and then you're going to have a baby on the island which we've discussed is going to be difficult. Exactly. This is uh, we've got we've got an actor whose probably most famous role is a guy who stole a baby. Yeah. So that's going <laughs> this would be this would be the greatest problem ever. Uh and maybe, you know, we don't know whether we've gone to a time standing still island or like the M Night Shyamalan beach that makes you old situation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think, yeah, rock and a hard place, basically. I think either way it's going, it's going to be difficult. Okay, so your sister joins you on the island. Fair enough. Now, I hear mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Right, now that we're moving on to not people, I feel much more comfortable on this okay. entire thing. <laughs> Fuck Portobello mushroom burgers. Fuck <laughs> Absolutely cannot stand it. It's always like a gastro pub situation and you've gone with friends and if they meet and it's always like, oh, there's a, this cow was sung to each day by <laughs> wood nymphs for six hours uh, before sort of retiring to the meadow to compose verse uh, <laughs> and then uh, died. We, we just went like, oh, look over there and uh, died it, uh, killed it as it was eating like ambrosia. Uh, and you could have that or you can just have a massive mushroom in between <laughs> two bits of bread. And that's what you're having out here. And it costs the same, by the way. Yeah. Uh, that's a, you're not You're not escaping on that front. So... I, yes, I really cannot stand a portobello mushroom burger. And if, if it were the only that you know, if it were the only thing keeping me from death, sure. But as it stands, generally speaking, that's a, I'll, I'll avoid an establishment to avoid a portobello mushroom burger. They've just gone. What's a bit hard and chewy like meat? And it's like yeah. you know, you've got you've got this sort of classic like a mushroom halloumi, these things. And now you've got obviously different options that are sort of better. But you know, a lot of the time it'd be better to just have something that is it, that's its own thing than a pretend version of the good thing. Yeah. But also, I don't even think that they've gone what's also chewy and slightly hard. I think that it's just what's that size and shape yeah. but is yeah. one thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll just get a job lot of those in and put those in. And it's not like a cow isn't that size or shape. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff's been done to the cows, so do do some stuff to whatever ingredients you're using in order yeah. to tiny round cows in the in, in the field, <laughs> like waiting to get into the buns. Like I like mushrooms, but it does feel like that's not enough. You need other things as well. I think nowadays, as people take more care in kind of trying to come up with things that are interesting. Yeah, and this is the thing. Like as so, I've been vegetarian since I was a child. And I'm 30 now. So over the course of my life, I've seen vegetarianism and veganism become far more pronounced in the UK uh, and consequently seeing far more places go to more effort to make actually interesting things for people with such dietary requirements and what have you. And it feels like the Portobello mushroom burger is the last holdout of (laughs) an era when people are just like, fuck it, all of their friends eat meat, they're going to come. So yeah. what are they really going to do? I, I had a friend who was um, like just couldn't eat goat's cheese because she was a vegetarian. She said so often the, the alternative was some kind of goat's cheese tart. That was like the mm. only vegetarian thing on a menu. And it's like, oh, we've run out of portobello mushrooms. Let's do the goat's cheese. Oh, we've run out of goat's cheese. Get back to the mushrooms again. Yeah. 
actually thinking about it, perhaps a better scenario or, or a better choice would have been one of those actual, you know, uh, burgers that a cow's been sung to and whatnot, <laughs> because that would also make me test my principles of like, to what extent am I willing to go mm. to avoid, like, if it's the only thing there, obviously I'm going to eat it, but then I'll feel terrible. Although like, I do like a Beyond Burger. Yeah. Okay. If it's anything like that, I probably would like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> what would you attempt to wash it down with then? What would your drink choice be? So originally I was thinking of just tonic water okay. because having just tonic water as a drink is a very uncanny valley experience to me because <laughs> um, it's just like there isn't gin, but it feels like there's gin, but there isn't gin. Uh, and it's a very confusing situation to find oneself in, uh, <laughs> I believe. Uh, but then I realised that um, tonic water has quinine in it, famously. Mm. Uh, and so on a desert island, uh, that's an anti-malarial. You probably would want that. Yeah. So that, that's the possibility. It's something that I dislike having in and of itself, but would in this case also be medicine, so it might be quite valuable. Yeah. But my, my other option is there's there's a particular sparkling water from Georgia, uh, the, uh, Georgia in Europe, not Georgia in the United States, um, Bo- Bojomi or Boyomi, uh, if it's a if it's soft J okay. or what have you. And the thing about it is, it is nice, right, <laughs> for the first bit. And what is so it's a it's a naturally sparkling water that comes to the surface just entirely naturally very uh very cool uh thing um it's got a very high sodium content so it tastes sort of gently salty and for the first few sips you're like this is so good mm. and then after a while you're like this is a lot of effort. Like I'm actually not feeling hydrated by this because it's also got the thing that dehydrates you <laughs> in it. And apparently this was the only water that Stalin would drink and it was like his favourite water. <laughs> and I was like, I understand why he was so upset and angry all the yeah. time. Uh, because I would be too if I was just constantly quite parched. And I also think that on a desert island, it's a particularly dangerous choice because... A water with a sodium content like that will make seawater seem dangerously palatable. Yeah. You know, like, let's say, imagine that you get on a raft after that and you're like, wow, I've been, I've been drinking all this Bordromi and that's, that's quite salty. So how, how bad could this really be for me? Yeah. It'd probably, it'd probably be fine. And then you die. <laughs> yeah. And also I'm just suspicious of something that comes out of the ground fizzy. I don't know why, you know. It just seems like it doesn't seem natural somehow. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. Although when having it, I was like, uh, if there was a hot spring of this, it would be so nice. Yeah, yeah. Fizziness is such a weird thing in drinks because sometimes it's really refreshing and sometimes it makes everything really bad. Like my oldest son is kind of a bit weird Like when he has fizzy drinks. He's, you can just see his face going, what the hell is this? This isn't normal juice, which is quite good as a parent because it keeps him away from like the really bad drinks. But yeah. I went to like a local bar recently. We're just in the sort of phase of reintroducing ourselves into society now that our youngest is sleeping a bit more. And near where we've moved, there's like a nice little like restaurant, wine bar, and you can take away bottles and stuff. But it's all natural wine, which I'm unfamiliar with, and I don't really understand it because 
Like, I just want a, bot- a bottle of wine that tastes like wine in my head. And you go, oh, try this one. You're like, why is this red wine fizzy? Like, this is so wrong. But, oh, the white wine's fizzy. Delicious. It's a celebration. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and my, my head can't get around it. And I feel like a real child. It's like, no, this can't be fizzy. This thing that's similar, but not the same can. I mean, I was, uh, I, I, I was told about natural wine a little while ago, uh, quite extensively, to uh, try and have it explained to me. And I'm still at the conclusion that natural in the context of wine is just one of those words that means we can charge white people more for this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, it, and, and by God, it works. So more power to the elbow of those business people. Yeah. I just feel like I'm, like, I'm so in there, you know, they've got me in their crosshairs, you know, like I'm absolutely the demographic, but I just wish that the really nice place at the end of my road that looks otherwise perfect just had normal booze in it. You know? <laughs> And it's hard to explain that to them without sounding like a prick. But you're like, where's the one that tastes like the normal stuff? (laughs) (laughs) I think that you can say that because in that, like, that's one of those statements that's either like really low status or really high status. (laughs) Uh, I was like, no, I'm. uh, If anything, I've had too much sparkling red wine uh, before. (laughs) My my palate has become so refined that I can handle only Jacob's Creek. (laughs) <laughs> i will give that a go next time i'm in there okay so we're going with a georgian sparkling fizzy water uh, or sparkling water for your drink choice okay mm. well that seems seems like a, a good one to wash down the burger with um okay now fortunately you won't be without entertainment on the island the plane's entertainment system continues to work but just your luck it only has two working settings one is your least favorite film of all time and the other is your least favorite song what are they and why my least favorite song of all time is the hold music at HMRC. <laughs> if that was your only option, you would from time to time be like, oh yeah, I could I could listen to it, but it just it's never on that um on the island there's never going to be the situation where even after 40 minutes the music does finally end and someone from Cumbernaul helps you with your problems. <laughs> uh, that that won't occur. I, yeah. I'll never get the really... And like, Ejabazi Hold Music also has that thing of like, it constantly makes you feel as though it's about to finish mm. uh, because you so desperately want it to. And so that, was, that, that would be the, the worst situation, just being on this island, getting constantly edged by HMRC and yeah. <laughs> having to listen to their listen to their whole tunes definitely my least favorite song is more than words by extreme for that reason because it sounds like it's about to end lots of times and then just carries on again and you're like oh forget and it's yeah something about hold music is it's purgatory even if it's a song you like it so quickly becomes torture yeah yeah, yeah. they also i've noticed um quite often when you're on hold it's never like a, a good signal like the music never sounds very clear. It often kind of has interference. Do you notice that? It's like there'll be the tune and it's going to go yeah. on, on top of it. But I wonder whether that's one of those sort of artificial digital things to make you feel as though something's happening. Like, you know, the way that like cash machines actually don't do whirring in do that, they not? but they play that sound to make you feel as though something's happening. Apparently, that's the case. Wow. Cash machines, just to make you feel as though there's some elaborate clockwork mechanism within it, uh, will sound like that, but there actually isn't. Um, So maybe it's like that, that they don't want it to sound too perfect, or you'll feel as though 
nothing active is occurring. <laughs> has it got a title, the HMRC Hold Music? Is it a real song or is it just... It's, uh, just it's called of... Fuck You by HMRC. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, something good might be at the end if you're managing to somehow claw some money back, but it's unlikely and it's very boring. So they should reward you for holding by giving you like some content. Yeah. I don't know, like put Netflix on or so just leave something running. Just have like comedy specials from Netflix just on a loop in the background. I mean, as a comedian, that's probably not great for you. But um, <laughs> well, you know. uh, this is it. I, I haven't been able to find the uh, the name of the hold music. But I have uh, found that the National Audit Office estimates people in the UK spent 4.7 million hours in 2015 listening to HMRC hold music while waiting for someone <laughs> to pick up, um, costing the country around £97 million in wasted time. And uh, in 2015, the biggest, the most streamed song was Cheerleader. You know, oh, I think that I found. Mm. Uh, and that was 71.7 million plays. And that works out to 3.6 million hours of streams. So it's a, th- a third more for HMRC, or a quarter <laughs> less for Omi's cheerleader. Wow. I wonder if they can get PRS details, because the person who wrote that song must be you know, making a killing, if, if so. Yeah, the most, the most listened to sound in the UK is that, which is terrifying, actually. I've got a lot of sympathy because I've spent a lot of this year for various, you know, like I moved house and my mum's been quite ill. And between the two things, there's been a lot of being on hold to different like either hospitals or doctors or estate agents or solicitors or like utilities providers. So it felt like most of my day for like a good few months was basically going to be on hold. Someone. It was it was kind of like... <laughs> You know when like you see people who like have to go dive into sewage for a job and there's like a very sort of like okay well, here we go again then you know it's like yeah once more onto the breach though. yeah like all oh, right here we go <laughs> <You know. laughs> but some songs absolutely add to the madness of a situation and that would absolutely drive you insane actually perhaps I have retrospectively chosen badly on the people front because I think an even better person than any of the people who I've chosen uh, would be um, an employee of HMRC. This is not to say that the employees of HMRC are dicks. Like, many of them have been very, very helpful to me and I'm not uh, not having a go at them. But I want someone who who's just there by the hold music whenever I listen to it but and always feels like they're about to speak to me but never does <laughs> so that that that, that like a like an HMRC torturer and I'm just there on my knees just go please please say something please <laughs> very good okay what would your film choice be there are obviously like ones that you very much wouldn't like to watch like if, if you're only visual option was the triumph of the will or something <laughs> and you're just like after a while you're like oh yeah i mean i guess the cinematography is quite good but that's <laughs> like at, 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 at what cost uh, this is uh, not not uh, not acceptable i think that the worst film to have with you in that scenario is a film that i neither hate nor love uh but is just castaway uh, mm. because i think having that at first like you could watch it quite a few times and be like, all right, no, but that speaks to my current situation. So that's quite good. And I identify with that. But then he gets so good at 
like you know, just spear the fish with his little thing, mm. uh, and everything after three years. And I know myself well enough to know that I would never get that competent. Yeah. So with each passing month and year, it would feel like more and more of an admonition of my own lack of prowess <laughs> in dealing with the consequences of being on this island. And like, he's got, and I'd be like, oh, I haven't even got a volleyball. That's that's rubbish. <laughs> like, I, 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 don't, I don't know how to make a raft uh, and what have you. Yeah. Um, and, and he does get out mm. at the end, right? And he gets back to his life and obviously things have changed and things are very difficult for him, but... Uh, but you get a sense at the end of the film that he is going to be able to move on and everything. Whereas I think that I'd just die there. Yeah. And so I think that it would fill me with false hope that it was possible for me to escape. I would attempt to craft a raft mm. and I would die on that raft <laughs> after having drank large quantities of seawater because <laughs> I think it's okay because of the Georgian Georgia water I've been guzzling up to that point. It's a very good argument for the case. Yeah. I don't know if you ever kind of catastrophize and you kind of think, what would I do if I was in this situation? And that bit of the film's quite exciting because you're like, yeah, he's got the right idea. Yeah, use that and turn that into an axe. And then, yeah, I guess I would get pretty good at spearing fish. But the bit where that stops for me is when he he manages to work out how long he's been there and the tides and where he is, like yeah. from the stars and stuff. And I'm like... What? I have no idea what that is. And I couldn't, I, I don't even understand, <laughs> you know, I know that we go around the sun and that's about it. I Plus yeah. that, I've got no idea. And I'm rubbish at swimming. I wouldn't get on the raft. And I don't even have a fucking Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Castaway is your film. Um, now, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? I mean, I feel as though this is going to have been a very popular choice as well, but it's going to be snakes. Snakes. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of obvious why you would pick that, but um, like, what are you particularly scared of snakes or? Yeah. Mm. Like it's, but like I don't, I don't consider it to be a phobia because it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So like I'm scared of sharks because they can eat and kill me. Yeah, yeah. I suppose like a phobia would be like being scared of sharks when you're on land. Mm, right uh, yeah. that's that's irrational uh and similarly like i'm not in this flat thinking to myself oh god i'm oh, what if there was a snake here uh and everything that's uh, that, that's not what i mean but you know you ever find yourself in the like reptile room at a zoo or something and i'm just like no <laughs> not having it there's a reason that from the like bible times people were like these guys are bad news. Yeah. When I was young, I used to really be, like, be fascinated by snakes. And I always wanted one as a pet and I was never allowed. And so fascinating. But when I've seen them in the wild a couple of times, they're terrifying because you don't know where they're going. You don't know if it's like, you know, I'm yeah. sure it doesn't want to bite me. But it's so hard to tell which direction they want to go in because they're like... Yeah, you don't know what their agenda is, but you're sure it's not good. Yeah. You know, at least with a lion, you're like, there's a big lion that's dangerous. With it's like, you know, <laughs> snakes, you're like, ah, oh, the small ones are the deadliest or something, you know, like, or yeah. like with like a lot of venomous animals, you're like, it doesn't matter. The size is irrelevant. So you have to be scared of all of them just in case. <laughs> And, you know, yes, sometimes exactly. the really bright ones are dangerous. Sometimes the one with no colour, you know, sometimes the brown ones are dangerous. It's like, yeah. let's just be scared of all of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, we we know 
from filmic history quite how much trouble they can cause when they're on a plane. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 clearly happened. Mm. Uh, so it it could you know I could find myself in the Samuel L. Jackson position of uh, just being on the island with all of those uh, little little crawlies, and I I wouldn't be into it at all. Yeah, I suppose the, the ultimate nightmare scenario is if you were in a snakes on the plane scenario, then the plane crashed and the snakes got to the island. So they were the same fucking snakes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I've seen you before, you fuck. <laughs> yeah, and, we, and we've not developed a positive rapport. Yeah. Like, we're not going to, you know, with, with Cummings, I guess there's a thing that we, we end up on the island and we're like, look, let's set our differences aside and work together. And I don't think that that sort of, that argument doesn't wash with a snake. Yeah. I think as well, you do end up finding scenarios where you're like, oh, fuck off, you bloody snake. No, I'm talking to Cummings, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think you've made a really good selection of people and things that would just, just be a crap environment to spend the rest of your life. So so well done. You've, you have nailed the format. Now, um, where can people see more of you at the minute? You've got a big tour coming up. Yes, so a uh, new tour starts on the 1st of November at the Soho Theatre and then around the country uh, until March 2022 and the show is called Dress. And you've got a special uh, that was recently recorded or recorded a little while ago. Yeah, it was. It was recorded on June the 6th. It was supposed to be recorded on March 31st, uh, 2020 and was not owing to events you may recall from uh, all <laughs> of our lives. And that is currently streaming on HBO Max in the United States. So if you're in the United States, please watch it on that. And if you're not in the United States, like torrent it. I don't fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, this podcast gets around, so there will be people in America who can watch it. (laughs) And it will pop up here at some point, won't it? I'm sure. One hopes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you again for your time. It's been brilliant. And uh, thank you for being on Desert Island Dicks. Pleasure. That was Desert Island Dicks, and Desert Island Dicks is a Sync Clap production created by James Deacon, produced and presented by Dan Benedictus. Our editor is Chris Attaway. Social media support comes from Jason Leach and Chinsey Clinton, and a special mention to Grand Mamster Flash, our statistician, and John Deacon, the official Desert Island Dicks historian. Thank you for listening. And um, if you have listened to these episodes and you think, oh, I want to get stuck in with who I think is a dick or what I think is a dick, then you can because every week we also publish Compact Dicks. And that's our little sister podcast where you have your say. If you want to tell us who and what you hate, it can be anything you want. Just tell us at dickspod.com slash contact or get in touch with us on Instagram and Twitter at dickspod that's all for now so thank you once again for listening remember to like and subscribe and leave us a review and we'll be back very very soon cheers